Hi, Nick Petrella here. This episode is sponsored by Volkwein's Music, a full-service shop that's been meeting the musical needs of musicians for over 135 years. They offer a huge selection of instruments, accessories, music, and more. They also have an unmatched instrument repair department with some of the most experienced technicians in the business. For years, they've serviced my personal and school instruments, and their attention to detail is why I and professional musicians from around the globe trust Volkwein's to service their gear. Head over to volkweinsmusic.com to see what they can do for you. That's V-O-L-K-W-E-I-N-S music.com. Helping people discover music since 1888. Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hi, Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. International prize-winning violinist Ada Vichik is with us today. She's a dual citizen of Poland and Britain and is the recipient of numerous awards such as the Henry Wood Award, the Star Award by the Countess of Munster Musical Trust, and the Margot McGibbon Award. As both a modern and Baroque violinist, Ada has performed at many of the UK's most prestigious venues and festivals, including Buckingham Palace, Royal Festival Hall, The Barbican, and Royal Albert Hall. Ada has performed with renowned ensembles such as the Gabrielli Consort, the English Consort, and the Academy of Ancient Music. Ada is kindly supported by Help Musicians, and is extremely grateful for the generous loan of an 18th century Cremonese violin from the Harrison Frank Foundation. We'll have her website in the show notes so you can learn more about Ada's accomplishments and activities and the competition she founded to encourage new music for the Baroque violin. Ada, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to speak with you guys. Can you tell us a little bit about the album that you have coming out at the end of this year, 2023? Sure. So I have commissioned separately out of the competition, but the first five winners to compose five new solo works for Baroque violin. And so I have asked Samuel Howley, uh, Eric Waldemar-Skult, Massimo Delilo, Alex Petschaft and Oscar Tyson to write five new works and they're all very very different from each other because they're all you know very different artists and I'm super excited uh these works have already been produced Mm. and now we're just you know working on the booklet and the look of the album and all those little cosmetic things and I can't wait for people to be able to hear it. And so this is it's these recordings are um same uh, new music period for period instruments is is that still this the theme for this 
Correct. Somehow the name um, New Baroque was born along the process. And so that kind of sticked to the type of music (laughs) that I'm making. New Baroque, I can see that as a new um, genre on the, uh, you know, Spotify <laughs> Apple yeah. Music app, right? Yeah. And you'll have, you'll up. have, the, you'll be the main artist in, the, in yep. that section, probably. You'll <laughs> own the that. only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, see? absolutely. <laughs> so, Ad, I have a two-part question for you. Do you book your own performances, or do you have management? And if you do the booking, do you find it? challenging in any way um i definitely find it challenging after a degree i really hope one day i will have help and management to do this kind of things uh, up to now it was a mixture of some people coming across my work on instagram on youtube social media and booking me for things having discovered me there or me reaching out and proposing the idea of new music to venues and festivals. And so it does take quite a lot of work. And so, you know, this again, another side of being your own administrator on top of all the other hours takes so much of the time and energy that I, I really appreciate the, the difficult job that agents have because it's a full-time position. That you know, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to delegate that. <laughs> so the challenges you would say are more time management, not necessarily uh, that you don't have an affinity to cold call. Um, well, perhaps there is much more to it I didn't mention. There's obviously the logistics that I don't have an experience in negotiating contracts that I might be a bit shy, you know, talking about myself, which is very difficult because it's easier when somebody else, you mm-hmm. know, explains and then you just showcase your music yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there is organizing travels. I've just came back from a US tour. So in order to book it myself and go myself and practice, and uh, you know, all of yeah. that, that was so much work to, to make it happen. Um, so yes, it's a it's a very complex uh, task, yeah. I think. Yeah, and that's you know part of the podcast is to help people who want to become entrepreneurs and those who are in it just starting out and hearing from people like yourself that the challenges they're facing are the challenges that everyone faces and and how do you cope with it? How do you adjust? Sounds like you just keep doing it. Yes, it's um, definitely not an easy way to live being a musician because not only we are in a full-time education, sometimes for just under 20 years. And then you, having studied for so long, you face the realities of the profession. And myself coming from a totally non-musical family, I had no idea how things work. And so you have to work it out to find your first jobs, jobs that don't necessarily are what you were hoping to be, but to first, you know, maintain your living. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's so many layers to it. So I always say that whatever it is that you want to do, it would really be a good idea to shadow somebody 
in the profession that you're interested to see firsthand what the life is like if you have such an opportunity because it's dif- different to imagine something other than just see it firsthand. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You recently completed an ambitious film recording project. How was that project funded and did you or do you retain artistic control? Um, so majority, if not all of the contemporary uh, music on Baroque violin recorded, turned into films on my YouTube channel are the winning pieces of the Ruzitkova composition competition. And since this competition is now running in its fourth year, we have since produced seven music videos. Mm. And so um, the... The competition artistic brains are, um, you know, myself, just thinking of the vision. Then Nicholas Hardesty is the, 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 the spine behind all the logistics and thinking what is possible. And then Simon Helbling, the filmmaker, he takes over once the music is recorded in audio version and he turns it into movies. And so every year we have discussions on how um, and what will these uh, music pieces present visually. So um, Simon always first asks the composers, you know, where the idea behind the piece came from. So the visuals can still, you know, connect closely to who they are as people and what they are about, what the music is about. And then also being visually attractive, for modern audiences, as we've spoken, because we are not trying to do what we are used to as classical musicians, but what people who might consider listening a bit more would like to see first. Um, So yeah, you can find all these videos on YouTube and definitely let me know what you think in comments. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll link to the YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. and so the, the 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 audio for the videos are is it recorded in the field where you're actually making the video or is it a pre-recorded like studio or whatever uh, in a controlled environment and then like dubbed for the video synced with the Yes video? we we always do them separately okay because sometimes filming um in locations that might be outside or might be okay. um not not as that strength friendly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we ideally record um, period instruments in old churches uh-huh. because they support the, okay. the sound to its best high qualities. And then having got the audio recording, we play to it yeah. while we create visuals. Gotcha. And and as you as you alluded to, the settings for these videos are not what most classical music fans would maybe expect from a, a video that features classical music or new music. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of those locations and maybe the decisions that went that behind them uh, to, to choose those locations? Uh, sure. Well, to start with the very first year when we were realizing our three films, um, it was a bit of a funny situation. So during the very first lockdown, when everyone was stuck in their homes, filming was actually allowed. So not only were we trying to find 
unusual setting for these films. We were also getting with, well, who was happy to let us in when <laughs> the whole country was staying inside their house and the streets were absolutely, you know, empty. <laughs> so uh, we filmed Ostinato in 7 by Oscar Taiso in a boxing ring because it's a song of a fighter. You know, it's a piece about overcoming all those difficulties that a uh, individual might uh, face in their life. So that was very matching as a very direct visual for that fight with difficulties. Then uh, we filmed uh, Yellow by Samuel Harley in an underground car park because uh, not only... Well, it was available as cold as that was because it was January in London, so you can imagine. <laughs> um, but Sam was describing how um, meeting with his friends to sing with his choir members when that was allowed and um, how much, you know, uh, happiness it brought to his life having been, you know, um, separated from majority of people during COVID, we kind of created this um, meeting in this very rough area. And then, you know, there was a person lurking from from the outside and some little fairy lights showcasing, you know, the the hope for the better tomorrow. And also we uh, filmed The Spectre, um, by uh, Eric Waldemar Skult in a rundown church because Spectre is about ghosts from the past. Mm. So there I am sometimes three, four, five times on the screen at once, kind of creating the ghostly image with funny special effects. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that explains, uh, I, I didn't, I saw the one in the boxing ring, but it, it, it took me a minute to, to realize, but you do, you have like bandages and stuff on too, like you finished the fight or something. And at first I was like, what, what's that about? And then you realize kind of the setting. It's like, okay, negotiating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You seem to have a variety of interests as a musician. Do you need that to feel fulfilled or could you be happy only playing contemporary or Baroque violin or organizing the competition? Um, I think as a person, um, I in particular don't like being bored and not challenged, which is not an easy way to be as a person. But even starting with music, I play both types of violin equally both Baroque and modern, because I like the variety. And sometimes people ask, so what kind of music do you especially like? And not being cheeky, but I just like all music. I like the music that I enjoy in the moment. If it's new, refreshing and challenging, then even better. Um, and then, you know, what I present on social media is, is, the, is the work side of things. And in my personal life, there is so much more other things to still keep me entertained. You know, I am a book nerd and I keep reading and I love historical sites and going to new places. Um, I just started learning tennis. So I think it's just a personal preference on like being always challenged and like keep things interesting, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Adam, we've reached the part of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. And the first question is, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an arts entrepreneur? I would say if you want to be successful, or at least have the highest chances of being successful, right. work harder than anybody you know that does the same thing that you do. But then also don't shy away from asking for help, especially those people who might have went through the same hurdles as you did, because they will most likely be very happy to help you. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? Probably uh, thinking that it's all about the audience, not about us. So when you are trying to program a concert, don't think, oh, what would I like to play today? It's more about, you know, what the audience will be happy to listen to. And of course, try to meet two worlds in the middle, but the audience is constantly changing. So I think sometimes the classical music profession feels like it likes doing things in a way that have been done 200 years ago. But as, um, as nice as it may be, sometimes I have to feel secure in what we know and what we have observed. Sometimes we can, um, I guess, discover new avenues if we just think about who's it for, like what what is this doing and what would people be interested in seeing or watching or whatever. Yeah. We don't usually ask follow-up questions on these last three, but I do want to add, do you have an example of a program where you, where you maybe took that approach and said, well, what would be interesting to this audience that I'm going to play for? Uh, and what could we program around that? Sure. Um, you know, I, as I said, I come from a non-musical family mm-hmm. where with the best intentions, people around me who would have seen me doing this for many years would have absolutely no idea and would not understand. Mm-hmm. So I have the experience of knowing that if you program music that people can connect to, and perhaps if you describe prior to what the music is about, and if the music imitates things such as, you know, uh, nature or uh, emotional uh, story or personal story behind the piece, that people kind of knowing a bit better how to connect with it, uh, it's easier for them to you know, to understand it and therefore maybe like it or give a chance again. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Thanks. Uh, so what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice anyone's ever given you? Well, t- to be uh, very honest, I've come across quite a lot of negativity and doubters in my life, especially during my educational years. So Mm. I have learned to use it as a motivation Mm. to work even harder. So you just, whatever the feedback is, I guess what I'm saying, is that you can always learn something 
and as difficult as something might be or as unhelpful in the moment you yourself can find okay what it is that i can still do better while i keep pursuing what it is that i love doing and then i guess you're still gonna learn yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a great perspective yeah well thanks so much for coming on the podcast your passion and dedication to new baroque is encouraging i think to anyone who's interested in classical music well thank you so much what you guys are doing you know interviewing such a wide range of people who do so many different things i i had a pleasure and i've listened to a couple of episodes and it's fantastic because they are also different from each other and you guys ask you know the very interesting questions so you know it's been pleasure on my side well thank you so much for your time thanks for listening if you like this podcast please subscribe visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists the arts and this podcast (laughs) 